0: radioinfluence.com Ladies and gentlemen a wrestling contest for the world's heavyweight championship introducing the world's heavyweight champion
1: the Crusher You're listening to Crush Performance with The Crusher, Jeff Croshell. Get in on the talent grid and text CRUSH at 10 12, 60 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks.
0: Welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. I hope you're doing well today. It's Jeff Rochelle and the con man here. We're your weekly source for performance information. Hey, if you want to get in touch with us with your questions, comments, or the beautiful smart remarks, we love them all, you can reach out to us. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is the email. On Twitter, at Jeff Crush, and on other social media platforms, you can get us at Crush Performance. Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube as well. We're uh, posting on YouTube some great information there for everybody who's you know just looking to get a little bit better or you're trying to chase down your potential. Maybe you're coaching, maybe you're teaching, maybe you're a parent, or maybe you're a pro athlete. Uh, We've got information for everybody out there. Today on the show, I'm really excited. It's another great part of the sporting calendar. Uh, The start of the NBA, love it. NFL is well into it. We're looking at NBA playoffs, NHL is underway, college sports, high school sports. We got golf, we got World Cup of Rugby. So much going on and uh, we're going to talk about it today. We're going to have a look, a crushed look at the NBA season. Teams to watch, players to watch, the storylines. We're going to break that down in the second segment later in the show. Is there a crisis in youth basketball? We're going to break it down and look at some of the interesting data, interesting and scary data coming out of youth basketball. The numbers will alarm you. I'll tell you that much right now uh, because it's very scary what's going on. Uh, Very common to what we're seeing, similar to what we're seeing in all of the other sports. And we're going to break that down. Uh,
1: Connor, glad to be back in studio here with you, my good man. How are you doing? Things are going very good, Crush. Full swing here at 1260. Always busy, but loving it. Loving yeah. it, yeah. It's
0: a great time of year. I've I've been meaning to ask you, and I've been actually looking forward to asking you this. How's your
1: NFL season going? Wow, crush! I don't know why you had to ask me that. As a Chargers <laughs> fan, it's not been going very no, good. No, not uh, good at all. I should be asking you how they like, stop getting injured all the time. Uh, these bad breaks keep happening. But um, it, it's actually been kind of a fun season. It's been very interesting. I mean, it starts off with a bang when Andrew Luck retires just before the season starts. You've seen injuries to the major quarterbacks in this league. Eli Manning gets benched. It's it's been a fun season to watch for the NFL, and... I mean, I'm still trying to figure out who the good teams are because we'll see one week where it looks like maybe the Houston Texans might have a chance to be a team that could actually take down the Chiefs or the Patriots. And then the next week, they'll lose to the Colts in kind of an underwhelming performance. It's been a fun NFL season. I just try not to take the Chargers too serious. Yeah, no, you can't, man. It can't, it'll can't. it
0: drive you crazy. Hey, let me ask you this on the NFL front. Of course, we've got our teams, players, and stories to watch there as well. We're going to be covering the NBA here in a second. But um, I've sort of just... Throwing in the towel, the Patriots are going to be in the Super Bowl. And now it's just a challenge of who's going to be playing the Patriots. Is that fair to say? I mean, honestly, yeah, they're, yeah. they're so
1: good. They are. And, you know, I, I kind of ran through the numbers on who the Patriots have played. And if you're a Patriots fan, you hate to hear this because, you know, they can only play who's on the schedule, but they haven't really beat anyone good. They've gone up against a lot of, of older quarterbacks, young rookie quarterbacks, and they've taken advantage of it. They do have a very good defense, but. I still want to see this upcoming stretch. They'll be taking on the Chiefs. They'll get the Ravens. They'll get the Cowboys. I want to see how they do against those teams before I crown them as the AFC champions. But it sure is looking that way. And in the NFC, you're right. I don't know. (laughs) It could be anyone. One week, the Cowboys look like world beaters. The next week, they're terrible. We've seen the Panthers go on a bit of a run without Cam Newton. There's a lot of good teams, but no one's really separated themselves. Yep,
0: I love it. And I like it. And I, one thing about the uh, NFL, too, I like the parity in the league right now. I mean, there's there's a pretty level playing field, and it's just a matter of which team's going to create that culture and take advantage of situations. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Of course, we have the MLB postseason. Just such a great postseason to watch. The Nationals and Astros, the TV ratings aren't high, and I'm baffled by that. Because whether you're a, spor- a fan of uh, the sport of baseball or not – This is fantastic sports. The management, the strategy that's going into baseball right now is incredible. I'm loving it. And congratulations to the Nationals getting here. Now we, based on the Astros win here uh, last night, we have a full on battle on our hands.
1: Yeah. And I, I wonder, you know, the Houston Astros, they underwent a little bit of adversity. Maybe getting out on the road was a good thing for them. You don't have your fans around. You don't have the family talking to you. You just go and do your job. And that's what they did last night. And, You know, that's a a great one for tonight. And, I mean, you're the baseball guy. Do you have this? I mean, did this tilt a little bit towards Houston? Do you think they can go on a run here? Or does the Nationals have the, uh, I don't know, the experience to get this back? Yeah,
0: no, I think that last game was critical for the Nationals. Um, They have the advantage tonight because of the pitching situation. I think the Astros will be going either tonight or tomorrow night into their bullpen and the Astros have, or sorry, the Nationals have their starting pitchers still in the rotation. Uh, but after tonight, the Astros have the pitching advantage in every single game without question. So um, the Nationals have to pull the trigger, and that's part of the fun. But really happy to see that franchise, you know, first of all, win in the postseason. But the first World Series game in 86 years in Washington, just fantastic stuff. The fans were great to watch.
1: Yeah, and they've kind of been the the team that you're rooting for from the start of the playoffs. They get in, they go on a little bit of a run, all this after losing the face of the franchise in Bryce Harper when he goes to Philadelphia. And then, you know, it's kind of a black spot on the sport right now, but all that will happen with the Astros after the game against the Yankees, the the locker room celebration, I don't think that's really endearing a lot of people to them. So, you know, I think as a lot of fans would look at this game and think, you know what, it'd be nice for the Nationals to find a way to get this done. They send Patrick Corbin out tonight, and uh, hopefully you'll have a good start. Yep. All you have to do is watch Altuve. I think Altuve is the spirit of that team. They've got a career.
0: There's a bunch of great young players there. Um, That stuff from the front office and on the side. I'd like to just forget that. I wish it didn't happen, man, because it's taken away from such a great team. So um, you mentioned something interesting, though, and it kind of falls into our conversation about the NBA today, the superstars. There's no sport more centered around its players than the NBA, and I don't think the players have as much influence on performance outcomes in any other sport than they do in the NBA. But to lose Bryce Harper and then be incredibly successful, I think that's pretty telling. Not on Bryce Harper's part. I think he contributes the way he contributes. But from a team dynamic and culture, uh, there's a lot to be said for having top players, but the superstar status can also have its dark side. It can also have its downside. I think we've seen that before and maybe no other sport more than basketball.
1: Well, yeah, and I I think that... You know, as a player in the Nationals roster, I mean, when you needed a clutch play, you were kind of looking at Bryce Harper. And now when he leaves the room, everyone has to look at themselves in the mirror and say, you know what, I've got to step up here. You know, we have a good team still. Without him, it's it's a big loss, but it, we, we still have the roster to go out there and do it. In basketball, you saw last year with the Toronto Raptors, how it worked in a positive effect. Where Kawhi Leonard went in there and the Kawhi effect rubbed off on all those players, Kyle Lowry was different pascal siakam was different i remember hearing a story about how they lost a game uh in the finals and they walked off the court and they looked like they were unfazed they won a game they walked off the court looked like they were unfazed they knew they had to win four so losing one or two winning one or two didn't mean anything to them and that was from Kawhi leonard now in baseball i think it's a little bit tougher because you know you need a big hit you have to be coming up in the order to actually do so but uh, the Nationals have done a great job. Everyone's elevated their game with the loss of a superstar.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, there's lots to talk about in baseball. There's a lot to talk about in basketball, certainly, NHL, NFL. But last week, we had an incredible conversation. We looked at one of the greatest feats in the history of mankind, a sub-two-hour marathon. And we've had a lot of great feedback on Twitter, Instagram, and on our inbox, Info Crush Performance as well. Some great, great comments. The conversation kind of went towards technology. Okay, so... Um, The record fell while the sub two hour marathon fell, but the world record for a marathon distance, one hour, 59 seconds, 59 minutes, 40 seconds. That's the new record, the fastest any human has ever ran. It's an average of 4.35 minutes per mile. I don't know if anybody out there has ever tried to run a five-minute mile. If you're not a world-class sprinter, but to run a mile in five minutes is incredible, but to do 26.2 in on an average of 4.35 is incredible. But we got into the conversation, Connor, that it wasn't an actual record. It's not being classified as a world record because of what happened. They had pace runners running in front of them, kind of like Canada geese in that in that arrow formation. Those runners, they they Uh, alternated in and out over the course of the period to keep the pace up. They had tail runners. They had uh, support cars running. It was a pretty flat surface, but it was a 26.2-mile distance. And then we got into the conversation about the shoes he was wearing, the Vaporfly shoes and how that impacted performance. And based on the data out there, those shoes are really helping runners 3 to 4% in their in their running performance. And that's a big number. So the conversation went to technology and sport. And that brings us to our text question of the day. Where do we draw the line on technology? Do we limit technology and set parameters to keep it real so to speak if that's even the way to or do we just let it ride to see how far we can actually push human performance it's an interesting conversation and that's sort of what came out of all the feedback from our listeners last week
1: yeah and i i looked at that and it was it was really intriguing to me that we're not going to count it because of these certain things but you know th- there have been so many advances in technology in other sports and we're allowing it to happen we're not saying like raising our noses at it no we can't you can't do it that way i was pretty disappointed to hear that they weren't going to actually recognize that he did it to me it happened he He ran that. He utilized the the environment around him and made it happen. It's a it's an incredible feat what he accomplished, and to just not say it's going to count to me is I'm just not a big fan of it. Yeah, and I'm kind of with my tongue a little.
0: Yeah, no, no, and I and I'm with you there. So we're not talking about the use of PEDs. We're not talking about uh, gene doping. You know, through though those are technically you know very technical sides of sport and real too. By the way, we're talking about. Technology that's influencing sports. So we have the physical side down. Faster, higher, stronger, better endurance, stride length. The equipment, though, that is now being built around human performance is incredible. I mean, look at it. If we were to analyze golf, for example, look at the influence the new technology in golf clubs has had uh, in in golf performance. And not just from the general standpoint, the fact that we're now individualizing it for individual swings based on the golfer and the golf tendencies, the golfer's tendencies, is incredible. I mean, if you look at the longest drive in golf, it was set in 1974, it hasn't been broken yet, 519 yards by Mike Austin. That is a gigantic drive, uh, largely in part, because, well, he's a great golfer, but the technology he used, it was like a giant golf club. And that sort of pushed on a new Era of golf technology. And if we look at the PGA, the average drive is 280 to 320 yards. The LPGA is 230 to 270 yards. The average recreational golfer is around 205, but there's limits to the technology we can use. Golf balls as well, Connor. We've seen limits on golf balls, but the testing we've seen in golf balls, um, there's very little advantage you know it's about a 7 yard difference between the farthest ball and the shortest ball so at the highest end of the game it's not a big advantage there but we take that ball technology to baseball look what's happened and you've all heard about you know the the baseball the juiced balls in baseball and look at the home runs this year So I should stop buying those Pro V1 golf balls, you're saying? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, here's the thing. Not only are we individualizing the clubs we use for our golfers, we're also personalizing and subscribing the right golf ball for the golfers because different golf balls do different things from the compression to the spin to the distance, most certainly. And not only that, you can now match your golf balls to the club face you're using. So there's lots of reasons to make sure you get the right ball. There's no question to maximize your game. It's not necessarily about which one goes first farther so again that's an advancement in technology for sure but if we look at what's going on in baseball talking about ball technology the carry in the ball so we have another record home run season in Major League Baseball 6,776 home runs this year in the league it's a record historically in baseball and the highest number since 2017 the pitchers don't like it the hitters are loving
1: it do you think the fans are loving it absolutely I mean, we love the long ball, right? We love the drama that comes with the long ball. I always look back to when I was a kid watching Maguire and Sosa every night running in to watch Sports Center to see I think it was sports desk back then, see what happened, how's the home run race going. And that that grew a generation of baseball fans. I mean, unfortunately we found out what happened after, right? But it that that kind of thing is great for the game. So I'm absolutely fine with home run hitting. Uh there's a reason we still have the home run derby. We're all fascinated by it and you know, if, if they have to change the ball a little bit to make that happen, then I'm good with it. Yeah, the pitchers are going to have to find ways to, to counteract it now. Oh, it's such a great conversation
0: right there, man. Because here's what's happening. Major League Baseball has set parameters for the baseball. And as long as the ball falls within those parameters, it's a legal ball. Here's the deal. The 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 league is kind of saying that, hey, it hasn't changed that much. The pitchers are going, are you kidding me? Look what's happening. But f- get this. And here's the tell-all, be-all. Um, Triple A baseball, for the first time in baseball history, used the same ball as the major league teams. So, we're going to get a real good, real life look at what these balls are doing outside of Major League Baseball. In Triple A, they had 2,000 more home runs this year than any other year on record, a 60% increase in home runs. And it's the first year they use the same ball as Major League Baseball. So, again, technology. Getting to the sub-two-hour marathon. That Vaporfly shoe is probably helping runners 3 to 4% on their performance times. That's significant. And if you go back to the London Olympics, Connor, where... Nike introduced their first sort of Vaporfly new shoe technology for the U.S. marathon team. Over the course of fifty thousand marath or fifty thousand steps, typically on average in a marathon, for our Olympic guys is probably closer to forty five thousand. The average shoe weighs one point four to two point five pounds. The Vaporfly shoe is zero point four pounds. It's seven ounces. And over the course of forty five steps, that equals the weight savings about. Uh, similar, it would be equal as a, a small car, a Volkswagen, or a little Beetle bug. That's a huge advantage. Do you know what I mean? And that's technology pushing it forward. And the last one I want to talk about before we cut out the break is probably one of the greatest impacts on performance was the Speedo Laser Swimsuit. If you go back to 2008 um, and look at what happened when that suit was introduced into the FINA World Rankings... In 2009, there were 97 world records broken. And what happened there, it led FINA, which is the governing body for international swimming, um, ruled out that uh, you could no longer use the suit in competition. That's how powerful technology comes. So now it comes down to our question of the day. Before we cut out for a break, where do we draw the line on technology? Do we even draw a line on technology or do we let it ride? What would you like to see? Let us know. When we come back, we're going to have a crushed look at the NBA, teams, players, and storylines to watch. And is there a crisis in youth basketball? You better believe it. And it's scary. Stay tuned. This is Crush Performance. If you have questions, comments, or smart remarks, write to us at CrushPerformance.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to Crush Performance. Jeff Gershell, the con man in studio here. Hey, glad you could join us today. Uh, we just got off a conversation talking about technology and sport, of course. I've been absolutely enamored with the first ever sub two hour marathon, just a great, great human feat. But technology had a lot to do with that accomplishment. And the question of the day here at Crush Performance is, where do we draw the line on technology? There is no question it's influencing performance outcomes. But is there a line we draw when technology is pushing our actual abilities beyond what we would normally be able to do? That's the big question. And when we look at things like golf balls or the baseball in Major League Baseball, or again, probably one of the greatest examples is the Razor uh, shark suit in swimming and how it actually, that suit was totally responsible for the obliteration of 97 world records in 2008-2009. Where do we draw the line? Because that's not really human performance. You might want to call that assisted performance, Connor. So let us know. A couple interesting uh, comments on the text line here. We're talking about the fact that that sub-two-hour marathon did not count as a world record because of everything that went on around it. And this is from Mel. We don't count some 100-meter sprints if it's too much. Of a tailwind for world records. Yeah. I mean, if there's a wind assisted to a certain point, it doesn't classify. So, why would we count this? Good point, Mel. And I kind of agree with you. You know, but when it comes to the technology that's being used, if it's accessible to everybody, should we not let it ride? Even if it does help our athletes perform better. Um, and again, getting back to our baseball conversation, small ball is way more entertaining than the long ball. I would much rather watch guys steal bases and play mind games with the pitcher. And I agree with that. I love the short game. We're actually seeing some bunts here and some base running. I uh, haven't seen a hit and run though. So some interesting
1: stuff. I like the short game too, with the small ball, but I mean, we don't have a bunting contest in the major league baseball all-star <laughs> weekend. I mean, we want to see them hit it out of the park. You know, that that's, that's what gets people in there. It's fun to watch the strategy that goes into the small ball, but there's always going to be a place for home runs. Yeah, we want yep. that in the game.
0: Yeah, no, and I agree. I like the home runs for sure, the long ball. No question. So get to us, 10, 12, 60. The question is, where do we draw the line on technology? Do we draw the line on technology? Or you might even share with us what you think one of the greatest influencers has been in terms of technology and sport. Now, we're not talking about PEDs. We're not talking about gene doping, though. Those are all very, very real, and they're all technology-driven. There's no question about that. But we're talking about things we use, like the composite racket in tennis. Would we have a world record of, what is it, 163 miles an hour uh, in the tennis serve if if the rackets were the old bamboo wood rackets? I mean, would the slap shot be what it is in hockey? I mean, look at the skate technology and how much that's influencing how well guys move on the ice. Every single sport is influenced by technology. Where do we draw the line? Interesting question and some good stuff coming in. Get to us on Twitter, at Jeff Crush. And on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you can search out Crush Performance. Today, Connor, I wanted to get to this. The start of the NBA season. We almost got to it last week. We couldn't get to it. But um, I love this time of year. When we look at the NBA, is there one overlying theme for you that's got you intrigued? Have you been an NBA fan? Or uh, is there something that's drawing you to the game right now?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I I think that just the curiosity to see how the Raptors can do without Kawhi Leonard in the lineup is something that I'll be paying attention to. And, you know, they, they gave the max contract to Pascal Siakam, the first game of the year, 30 points, 18 rebounds. He really starts off strong. They get the win. Of course they fell to Boston last night, but I'll be definitely watching those, those players in that team to see, you know, what did they take on from last season? Can they build off that? And can they still stay competitive in the East where I think it is open. Uh, Philly will be good. Boston will be good course the Milwaukee Bucks will be a challenge maybe even Brooklyn who knows but can the Raptors still contend uh, for that division that's something I'll be watching then out in the West the, it, it's amazing how much talent is out there you just look through the rosters and kind of the duos that each team has the Lakers have LeBron and Anthony Davis the Clippers yep. with Kawhi and Paul George the Rockets have James Harden Russell Westbrook Golden State they'll be without Clay, but they've got Steph they've got a uh, Russell that they brought over from Brooklyn there's just there's it's the so epicenter much of basketball. Talent. Yeah, and it's crazy. I mean, these, these players are all starting to learn that, you know, to, to win in the NBA, you've got to take down those super teams. And the Golden State Warriors had a bit of a collapse. Kevin Durant moves on to Brooklyn. He won't play this year, it looks like, but he's gone. Klay Thompson has the injury. He's gone. I mean, the the West is wide open right now. You saw it in the opening night when the Lakers took on the Clippers. It was a fun game to watch. And I, I think right now, and I'm sure People could debate this, but this might be the most entertaining season because there isn't that clear-cut favorite. There's a lot of good teams. But there's not that super team that's absolutely loaded, and I'm all, I'm here for it. So
0: you mentioned the Nets. Nets is one of our top five teams to watch in the NBA this year simply because of the four year contracts with Irving and Durant. Now, Durant not being able to play, there's a couple things to watch there. He is, by the way, our number one player to watch. He's not even going to be playing, but he's our number one crushed player to watch for me this year to see how he comes back from that Achilles rupture. Um, we haven't heard too much. You know, after it happened, there was a little rumble about how it was handled. Did he come back too early? Was he forced back? He wanted to play. He made that perfectly clear after the fact. Um, But he wasn't recovered enough. And again, this goes to sort of the talk around Kawhi Leonard, that athlete management, the load management that we're seeing in every single sport right now. But the Nets are a very, very interesting team to watch this year. And I think, you know, all things considered, they're going to be one of the contenders out there.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's it's too bad, unfortunately, with what happened with Durant. Yeah. And, I mean, when he went down, that was kind of the point where we knew the Raptors were likely going to win the NBA championship last year. Uh, I'm interested by the Brooklyn Nets, uh, a team that I, I don't think is going to finish top three or four. Just looking at their roster, you know, Kyrie Irving at times has been one of the best players in the game. Uh, we're a few years since I think he's really dominated, but... Yeah, that's certainly going to be a team to watch going forward. And what can they add if maybe even next offseason? Right. And their approach is, okay, Durant's hurt. We've got these guys for four
0: years. Let's get through this year. When Durant comes back, uh, things are going to get really, really scary around there. And watching Durant on the bench, he's there every day. He's pumping his fish, cheering, slapping those guys in the back. It's great to see. So we're going to watch those guys. We're going to watch the Lakers for obvious reasons. We don't have to go through that because We just want to goes back to that superstar conversation, right? Can the Lakers actually do what they should be able to do? And they haven't yet. So we're going to watch that. Golden State Warriors, again, that culture. Could they be maybe the dynasty team of the NBA? We, We talk about the Patriots, right? Yep. In the NFL. But would you call the Golden State Warriors a dynasty team right now? Or do they need to have some serious success
1: this year? Oh man, I think we throw this word around a lot. Modern day dynasty. Yeah. Like with free agency, it's so tough to do it all the time, but absolutely. They what they've been able to do making it to the, the championships consecutive years. Uh winning three now, I believe. Durant was only there for two, for sure. And I mean they still have a good team. They still have Draymond Green, Steph Curry. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, like I mentioned, I still think they can contend in the West, but if I had to guess, I think they're on the decline right now.
0: Yeah, so two surprise teams I want to throw at you. I'm just going to throw them out there. I don't know if you know anything about them, but I'm watching the Indiana Pacers because they came on strong last year, and I think they were a big surprise in the league. Uh, They weren't on our list of teams to watch last year, so I'm always intrigued by teams that do well, that weren't on our radar, because when we break down a season, for everybody who's kind of new to the show, when we break down a season, we're not predicting who's going to win. We're just watching to see what happens. You know, we look at for example the Spurs. You know, we watch Popovich for example. We look at these great leaders, these great teams, how they operate inside. There's a lot to learn from these successful cultures. And and don't get me wrong, there are there are top businesses out there that watch top sporting organizations. There are top sporting organizations that look and try to learn from the top businesses, the top schools. That's how it works. It's a culture thing. So there's a lot of things going on here. Indiana Pacers are going to be interesting for me this year, as are the Milwaukee Bucks. What do you think about those two teams, Pacers and the Bucks?
1: Yeah, well, the Pacers last year what finished fifth in the... East, They end up getting swept by the Celtics. The Bucks yep. are the team that, I mean, I, I really like. I will love watching Giannis, the Greek freak. I'm not going to go butcher his last name here. Yeah, I can't I, even say it. I, don't I will mess it up. But he's an MVP. He's another guy who can be an MVP candidate this year. And and I will say, you know, when the, when they took on the Raptors last year, I was a little bit nervous by it. I know the Raptors ended up winning the Series 4-2, to two, but it was still a, every night you're thinking, what can Giannis do? And they played them the last few years in the playoffs, and he's just continually to elevate, elevate his game. Uh, he's someone you got to watch out for, for sure. I just, I I look at it and who's his wingman there? Right. He doesn't really have, we we mentioned the duos in the NBA. He really doesn't have that. So there's a lot of pressure on him. That was going to be my question
0: for you because he doesn't have that. He's got a good support structure around there. Don't get me wrong, but he doesn't have that top shelf wingman. But I love this guy because if you look at his quotes in the papers, even uh, the last, last week or so, he's out there telling everybody, hey, I can get better. You know, I'm working with I'm working with the coaches. I'm working with the trainers. I'm going to get better. I love that, man. I guess one of, here's one of the top players in the league, and he's literally saying I can be better. I
1: love it. And yeah, I mean, Brook Lopez, he had some big shots. They've got blood. So They've got some players on that team, and and when he says that that he can get better, he's only 25 years old. That's that's impressive. I don't know if you saw that report that he there could be a short list of teams he might leave Milwaukee for. It. Oh. Toronto was one of them. So really? Raptors fans, maybe. Uh, Maybe looking forward to that one a little bit, but that won't be for a little while still. No, it's not. But I wonder why.
0: That's intriguing. It'd be great to ask him about why those teams. Is it geography? Is it culture? Is it the guys on the team? Interesting. I'd be interested to get into that conversation for sure. Hey, one last team I want to ask you about before we look at a few players. uh, The Pelicans. Okay, the number one pick overall, they're saying the savior of the franchise. And last Friday, he hurts his knee and he didn't play in the first week. I don't know what his situation is uh, in the next week, but Zion Williams and the Pelicans. I mean, this, I'm watching this team because they're looking at this young player in his first year in the NBA to change the path of that organization. Wow. Wow.
1: Yeah, and he's out six to eight weeks now. So I guess maybe now it's five is that to what they said? Okay, weeks. I didn't yeah. see that so final report. He will be out for a little while. But yeah, man, I, shoot. Uh, they they played that first game against the Toronto Raptors, and they had some guys hitting big shots. Uh, uh, Josh Hard, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. They've got some good talent there. They've got Alexander Walker, the Canadian, actually, who that, that's someone for maybe Canadian fans want to start watching. Yep, they are really good. A, a very intriguing team. And we talked about the superstars leaving. They lost Anthony Davis. He he left for La La Land, and they got a lot back. From for him, And they, they showed something to me. I don't know what Zion is going to be. I've heard the comparisons that, you know, he might be a Blake Griffin and finally Blake Griffin's kind of out of the three ball into his game. And I think that's expanded his role and made him a lot stronger. But he's a freak. He's what 6'7", 290. He moves like he's a point guard. I'm very in, in, excited to see what he could do and maybe even more than an R.J. Barrett because we've seen a lot of R.J. Barrett. Uh, he's kind of taking the stage. It was tough to get Duke games in Edmonton, I'm really looking forward to him coming back. And you just hope that the injury is a hundred percent healed and they're not rushing him. Yeah. I mean, I think when it's your number one overall pick, it's a huge investment. You're likely not going to rush, rush him in anyways, but I really hope they handled this properly. The one question that
0: revolved around Zion Williamson was durability, right? And a lot of reasons. And that's coming up in our next segment. We're going to talk about the crisis of youth basketball. Is Zion Williamson a victim of minor basketball? We're gonna talk about that in a minute when we talk about players to watch, I mean it's uh you could you could throw rosters out there there's so many players to watch but I'm really interested from a crush standpoint from my personal standpoint uh, Anthony Davis, I'm really really gonna watch Kevin Durant he's one of our top guys to watch I'm gonna see how LeBron responds this year right and because is he fading or is he going to rise to the top? Is he going to change his approach? I mean, that team needs to get something done, so we're going to watch how he operates, and there's going to be a lot to learn there. Um, we're going to watch Kawhi Leonard as well, and he's come out hes come out guns blazing. 51 points in 53 NBA minutes. How about that?
1: Incredible. And he started off slow against the Lakers on opening night. He yeah. wasn't great to begin with, no. but he found his groove. 30 points. You can't argue with that. I mean, oh no! Yeah. So so
0: uh, we're we'll watching for sure, and then Zion Williamson as well. Why don't we pick this conversation up right after this break? We're going to take a deep dive and have a serious look at the state of youth basketball. Is it in a state of crisis? What is going on there? Well, I'm going to tell you right now. The numbers are very very scary, and if you're involved in youth basketball in any way, shape, or form, you'll want to hear this right after this on Crush Performance.
1: If you have any performance questions, comments, or smart remarks, text CRUSHER at ten twelve sixty and follow him on Twitter at Jeff Crush. Now, here he is,
0: the CRUSHER. Welcome back to Crush Performance. Jeff Grishel here, the con man. We're your weekly source for performance information. Reach out to us. Questions, comments, smart remarks. We love them all. And by the way, we answer every message that we get. And if you have an idea or a topic you'd like us to investigate, let us know. We may dedicate a segment or an entire episode to your idea. We've done it recently and we're going to do it again. Some of the emails we've been getting are fantastic and it's going to lead us into a few of our upcoming shows where we look at the influence of data and analytics on sports. We'll be talking about nutrition coming up here. It's a very, very important topic in terms of human performance, it's our number one priority in terms of our developmental priorities, and uh, that's coming up. We're also going to look at the cost of youth sport, and this is something that came out of the Crush mailbag as well. So uh, keep those coming. You can write to us, info at Follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Crush, and on Instagram, YouTube, and also on Facebook, search out Crush Performance, and we'll hook you up with all the great data that we talk about, and our guests as well. Well, today, we are talking a little bit NBA, a crush Preview of the NBA season, the teams, players to watch, and the storylines. A lot of great things to learn from there, as there are in every single professional sport. But I wanted to get to this. Outside of our conversation on technology, where do we draw the line? The crush question of the day, 10-12-60, is the text line. Where do we draw the line on technology? Do we let it ride? Do we not limit The golf clubs we use, the skates, do we not limit the running shoes or the swimsuits? Do we not limit technology that's helping push human performance to new levels? Outside of our own personal abilities, equipment is allowing us to do things we wouldn't normally be able to do. Should we contain that? And where do you draw that line? It's not a clear-cut area, Connor. There's been some good texts here, and it spurs on a lot of questions. Where do you draw the line on
1: technology? I think uh, it's something that needs to be discussed a little deeper. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it gets to the point where are you doing physical harm to yourself? If that's one of the side effects of what we're using, then you don't allow it. Um, if it's something where... Let's say one side gains a clear advantage because of financial reasons where maybe it's the United States using technology that a smaller country can't afford. Well, then maybe you ban it. But if it's something where the conditions are all the same and everyone has the ability to use it, then I think it should be allowed. And I mean, if we can um, up sports performance and human performance, that's very cool that that gets people talking about the sports. Uh, I can't say I've ever really... Had us talk about marathon running or anything on the Jason Greger show, and then our records break, and and then we start talking about it. So, I mean, I, I think those things are good, but there does have to be that line somewhere.
0: Yeah, I agree. I just don't know where that line is. I mean, we talk about the razor suit and swimming, and how it was really single handedly responsible for uh, ninety seven world records falling in two thousand eight, two thousand and nine. That's the suit. The suit alone. We look at the home runs in baseball. That's the baseball. Now, don't get me wrong. We're, no, you know, we're learning about and we're teaching and we're, we're developing hitters now that uh, are looking at launch angle. We're training bat speed. So that's going to have an impact. But that ball is changing. You just have to look at the minor league baseball, the AAA minor league baseball uh, numbers. There's 2,000 more home runs than ever before in AAA baseball. And it's the first year they've used the major league ball. That's a 60% increase in home runs. So do you limit that ball or do you let it fly? And that's the question of the day. So get to us, 10, 12, 60. Outside of that, uh, we're talking about basketball. And there's a lot of interesting things to discuss here. But earlier in the year, I was doing some investigative work on injuries in sport. Because despite everything that we know, ladies and gentlemen, injury rates at every single level of sport are on the rise. And when we talk about the science that we have, the technology that we have... The technology that's allowing us to monitor our athletes closer. What we know now about the physical preparation for athletes. Stronger. Faster. You want to jump higher. We've got that down. You want to talk about skill acquisition, talent development. We have a really, really good understanding of that. Load management. Well, we were just talking about Kawhi Leonard. It was the biggest story, I think, in the NBA. Certainly in the playoffs last year, they managed him very well. And he performed like he was managed very well. We're going to see that in every sport. It's not a new concept. Don't get me wrong. You know, we call it periodization in the sport where we look at every parameter that's around an athlete and we kind of compensate and peak and valley and periods of training, periods of rest and recovery. But we have a massive problem in sport and basketball is not immune. We've talked about the injury rates in hockey. We've talked about the incredible scary injury rates in baseball at every single level. We've talked about the banning of headers in youth soccer and the fact that women's youth soccer has the highest incident of concussions. And that's new data that's just come out. Well, basketball is not immune to it. And there was a study that came out in early 2019 that was sort of spurred on by a look into tennis. So back in the day, and this is a few years ago now, they looked at... 530 high-level tennis players aged 12 to 18 in the Midwest of the U.S. is a really well-done study. And they tried to decide, okay, when did these athletes specialize? How many of them are specialized, meaning they just play the sport of tennis? And how did that influence performance? And maybe even more importantly from this study, injury rates. Well, about 70% of the 530 Athletes between ages of 12 to 18 had specialized around the age of 10. And they found that those athletes who specialized early were 1.5 times more likely to report an injury. And that might not sound like a big number, but but it really is. When you look at the impact that the repetitive use of one particular sport, one particular movement has in the body. If you're not compensating for it, not only that, long term, we know that if you specialize early, and the age ten is kind of that breaking point. I like the age of twelve. Other than maybe some of the some of the um, early developmental sports like gymnastics or dance, maybe synchronized swimming, you might be able to get into it a little bit earlier. But other than that, I think the age of 12 is a really, really good sort of barrier before you start thinking about specializing your young athletes. And as far as I'm concerned, play as many sports as possible for as long as you can. That tennis study spurred on uh, a really important study that looked at highly specialized, high-performing athletes from all sports. And this study looked at... 1,200 young athletes, average age was 13, from all around the U.S. It was a two-year study that followed the injury rates and the performance. And those who were highly specialized in one sport and played year-round, the study said, had a significantly higher risk of serious overuse injuries. Now, that might be a pretty general statement, and this is the main number of this conversation. How much higher was the risk? It was 125% higher. Connor, 125% is just a big number no matter how you talk about it. But when we're talking about injuries in sport due to specialization, that number is one of the scariest things I've heard in a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially you're looking at these younger kids, those injuries, they have something like that and the odds go up. It's definitely something you don't want to play around with. And that's a conversation that we have a lot on this show. I think across our whole radio station, the topic of specialization in sports is something that from what I've seen and from what I've heard from our texters and our callers, a lot of people are kind of buying into it now where let's, let's have them play different sports. It doesn't have to be hockey year round or baseball, basketball, soccer, whatever it is, let them try different things. Even if it's not going to be as serious, some another sport just to go have fun and you know, Work other muscles, things like that. Gain skill sets that you might not gain in hockey. I I think it's a great idea. And then you just factor in the injury risk that you talked about, and it should be a no-brainer at this point.
0: Yeah, much like we talk about in baseball, Connor, the injuries we're seeing at the professional levels. We just talked about Zion Williamson. Um, And again, durability might be the only question surrounding this incredible young talent. Is that a result of his lifelong commitment to the sport of basketball, would he be more durable and maybe even better than he is if he'd played other sports? Well, he specialized and played basketball starting at the age of four. It's a kind of a Tiger Woods story. And the year before his senior year in high school, his mother said, and this is a quote, basketball is all he does. He doesn't have time for anything else. Now, you get into that basketball range or that high school range, um, sorry, as a basketball player or any other athlete, that's the time you might want to think about specializing, especially if a player has a passion for a sport. But outside of that, it's scary. Coming off of that longitudinal study looking at the high-performance um, athletes and the injury rates and that 125% higher risk of injury for specialized athletes, there was a interview done with a great pediatric sports medicine doctor in the States. And he estimated that five years ago, he saw about 1,500 pediatric sport injuries, which is children typically under the age of 16, some areas says 15, but mid-teens and down. And he performed 150 surgeries on those injuries. Okay, In a single year, those numbers skyrocketed. And last year alone, okay, He did, well, he saw 6,000 sports injuries in that age group and did 400 surgeries. And that kind of reflects the trends we're seeing at every level of sport in every sport, Connor. Listen, this doctor in a period of five years went from seeing 1,500 youth injuries to 6,000, from doing 150 surgeries to doing 400. And more than half of his operations are on athletes under the age of 14. And it goes back to the idea of specialization, early specialization. We're seeing it in basketball, and some of these numbers coming out of youth basketball are very scary. But it's also impacting the highest level of the game. If we look at the average injury rates in professional basketball, the strength coaches, the doctors, it's almost a mirror image. Connor, it's the exact same conversation that we're having in baseball, in hockey, and certainly in football as well. These athletes are injured long before they sign their pro contracts. It's happening at the youth ages, and a lot of it is simply related to overuse burnout and lack of athlete management. And it's a big problem that we're seeing, and it's reflecting now in the injury rates we're seeing in professional basketball. So, does it have to happen at the highest level in order for us to make some corrective measures in minor league sports? Well, it's certainly a shot across the bow for everybody out there. So a uh, very important conversation. And we're going to dig deeper into this. In the next few shows, we'll be talking about nutrition. We're going to be talking about analytics. We're going to talk about the developmental curves of athletes. Uh, so we've got a bunch of great shows coming up. I want to thank you for tuning in today, everybody. Fantastic conversation. We'll talk to you next week on Crush Performance.
1: Don't forget to ride! Initiate procedure. Now, stand by for the MJ Morning Show. The MJ Morning Show is back. Hi, it's MJ. Join me along with Froggy and Fester. We're going to bring you up to speed on what's been happening since our last show. We'll even reveal never-before-heard stories from the past, including some infamous
0: controversies. This is the great MJ Morning Show that you remember.
1: With regular new episodes, we'll even have some of the crazy cast of characters on, like Dave the Dwarf and more. The all-new MJ Morning Show. Morning Show podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, on the iHeartRadio app, and RadioInfluence.com.